Take your Bibles and turn to Judges chapter 8 this morning as we reach the last text in the series that talks about Gideon. We're going to move on from Gideon next week. We have picked on him long enough. But this sermon series called Help, I Have Issues is never more honest than when you look at somebody who has a roller coaster relationship with God. I've talked to several people, even some this morning, that have said how roller coaster their life is and how roller coaster their Christianity is. And if you don't know what I mean by that, most of us would, if we're honest, would say that our progression from where we started as a Christian to where we are now has not been a straight line going up. Uh, for the most part, it's kind of been an up and down uh, journey where you need some, some motion sickness medication. It gets that rocky sometimes. Well, Gideon is no different. And here at the very end of his life and his ministry, Gideon is almost right yet again. I mean, he says some things that are good and some things that are not so good. And we're going to learn the lessons that God has for us in a message that I've entitled, Follow the Leader. Gideon is supposed to be the leader. And sometimes you look at a leader, whether it's a Sunday school teacher or a deacon or a pastor or even a parent or somebody in your life that you model and want to emulate and follow after and you think, well, whatever they do, that's what I'm going to do. Whatever, they, whatever steps they take, that's the steps that I'm going to take. Well, there's a young man who is a FedEx driver. His name is Jeremiah Cribb. And the other night, Wednesday Actually, it was Wednesday morning, at about 2.30 in the morning, Jeremiah and another FedEx driver pulled over on the side of the road to help a guy who was stranded. Now, his car was on the side of the road, and it was just right at the beginning of a bridge, and so there was very little room on either side, and this guy really had no hope of getting uh, his car pushed over the top of this bridge. He was just kind of stuck. So Jeremiah and his friends stopped to get out and help this guy and see what his problem is. And all of a sudden, they noticed that there was a tractor-trailer, 18-wheeler coming right up on them. And Jeremiah, in that split second, knew if he didn't get out of the way, he was going to be a tragedy on that highway. So he did what he thought to do. And the moment he jumped and he said, I jumped over and into what I thought was the median. He said, and then I started free falling, and he went 75 feet all the way down to the ground. He had no idea that he was that high up off the ground, and in that split second to just save his life, he ended up falling 75 feet. Thankfully, it was about 20 or 30 minutes later that he was finally airlifted out of that tight spot, they couldn't get anybody down there to him, so they had to get a bucket truck to come up and get him. He cracked three of his ribs, and he punctured his lung, and he said, I just thank God that I'm still alive. Now, when I saw that story, I thought, how many people would look at this young man who stopped at 2.30 in the morning and said, First of all, if I see somebody on the side of the road at 2.30 in the morning, I'm going to stop and help them. Most of us at that time of the night in the morning would just keep going. But how many of us, too, would risk our own life 
to help this guy, not only from the tractor trailer, but also to jump over the side. If I said to you, if you're going to help somebody, you have to follow his example. If you're going to minister to somebody, if you're going to help them in a time of need, you have to do exactly what Jeremiah did and jump 75 feet and hope that you live to tell about it. Would you be willing to do that? How many of us in this room would sign that sign-up sheet in a church to say, look, I'll help in that ministry, and as a result, I have to jump 75 feet and free fall? Not many of us would jump at the opportunity. Not many of us would want to be involved in something that might cost us our life. Very few of us, when we think of following a leader, would we be like even Gideon to say, God, I'm willing to take that step of faith. I'm willing to go where you want me to go, and I'm willing to do what you want me to do, even if it costs me my life. Now listen, we've picked on Gideon a lot. And the Bible is brutally honest about some of the ups and the downs of Gideon's walk with God. At the end of the day, if Gideon is a leader... Just as you might be a leader in somebody else's life, you're going to have ups and downs too, mom and dad. You're going to have ups and downs too, deacon, Sunday school teacher. There's going to be times in your life when you're going to get it right. There's going to be times in your life that you're going to blow it. But if somebody was watching you and they had to do exactly what you did and take the exact steps that you did, would you be willing to see somebody come right in your footsteps. Sometimes we have to risk it all to be willing to follow God. Sometimes we have to be willing to jump when we don't know what's on the other side. Sometimes we have to be willing to step and say, God, if that is what you're calling me to do, then that's what I'm going to do. How do we truly put our life in the footsteps of Jesus and be willing to say, I'm going to lay down my life and I'm going to die to me. Even if it costs my own physical life, I'm willing to do it to help other people see Jesus. I don't know if you're at that place yet in your life. I don't know if you've made it to that point where that is where you are in your journey with Christ. But maybe over these next few minutes, God would use the last story in this text about Gideon to encourage you to leave a legacy of faith and point people to Jesus who are coming after you. If you found Judges chapter 8, and if you're able to, would you stand as we read verses 22 to verses 28? The Bible says, Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, you and your sons, and your grandson also. For you have saved us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, and my sons will not rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And Gideon said to them, Let me make a request of you. Every one of you give me the earrings from his spoil. For they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, We will willingly give them. And they spread a cloak, and every man threw in it the earrings of his spoil. 
And the weight of the golden earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold. Beside the crescent ornaments and the pendants and the purple garments worn by the king of Midian and besides the collars that were around the necks of the camels. And Gideon made an ephod of it and put it in his city in Ophrah and all Israel whored after it there and it became a snare to Gideon and to his family. So Midian was subdued before the people of Israel and they raised their heads no more and the land had rest 40 years in the day of Gideon. Let's pray together. Fathers, we examine this passage of Scripture today and look at the example of this leader that you raised up for Israel named Gideon. Father, we learn some valuable lessons from his willingness and obedience, but Father, we also learn lessons of times that Gideon was less than he should have been for you. God, help us all. So take a hard look at our life this morning and examine the legacy of faith that we're leaving behind. And God, help us to lay aside the things that would distract people from Jesus and help us, God, to take the steps of faith that would lead people to Jesus Christ, your one and only Son. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In this passage of Scripture, as we look at this man named Gideon, we see two valuable lessons that we learn that God had not only taught him, but also that God is teaching us still today about following the leader. The first step of obedience that we find in this text is that the Bible teaches us to lead others to serve God. Not to serve us, not to serve an organization, not even to serve a group of people like a church but ultimately lead other people to serve God. Now in the text between the one we looked at last week and this one at the end of the life of Gideon, God had done some amazing things in leading Gideon to save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. God's people were victorious. They had come out on top. They had subdued people. They had taken kings out of power and they had subdued the 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 strong arm of the Midianites that they had a hold over the people of Israel God had used Gideon to do great things don't ever under don't ever underestimate the hand of God in somebody's life even when you don't think they're worthy so often time God chooses the foolish things of the world he chooses those that are foolish he chooses those that are less than what everybody thinks they should be and does a great work in their life in spite of that person. You ever think that God would never choose to use your life because you're not spiritually where you think you ought to be? You ever think that God will never find any reason to involve you in ministry because you're not the smartest or the brightest or the sharpest or the whatever adjective you want to put in the blank? But friend, as we've learned in the life of Gideon, that little is much when God is in it. When God takes our obedience, He magnifies Himself in that opportunity. And here God's people were amazed at Gideon. 
that this sometimes right, sometimes wrong leader could actually be used by God to do some great things. And they came together after these battles and they said, Gideon, we want you to rule over us. We want you to be our king. We want you to be the big dog on the top of the hill and you just lead us in all ways and at all times. In this roller coaster of Gideon, sometimes he says the right thing, sometimes he doesn't. In this moment, Gideon actually said the right thing. Because in the back of Gideon's mind, he remembers Deuteronomy. That Old Testament book where Moses said in chapter 17 that he was going to appoint a king, a ruler over his people. God said in that passage that it would be one from among your brothers. He was not to acquire horses. He was not to acquire many wives. He was not to acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. But he was supposed to have a copy of the law and read it all the days of his life. And that God was going to be the one to appoint a king over Israel. Now maybe in the back of Gideon's mind he's thinking, you know, I'm honored. I appreciate you thinking of me. But God hasn't appointed me to this. Or maybe Gideon was just thinking, you know, I want to have a lot of wives. I want to have a lot of gold. I don't really want to read the Bible the rest of my life. So thanks, but no thanks, I'm not going to do it. Regardless of what his mentality was, of why he said no, Gideon actually said the right thing. Notice in, in chapter 22. After they asked Gideon, they said, your son and your grandson also. They wanted Gideon to set up this this chain of people, starting with him, with his son and his grandson to rule over. And in verse 23, Gideon said, I will not rule over you. My son will not rule over you. He said, the Lord will rule over you. For all of his ups and downs, Gideon is exactly right. He says to these people, don't look at me, don't look at my son, don't hand select somebody that you want to be over you, let God himself rule over you. You see, every Christian should learn this valuable lesson. Every believer in Christ needs to understand what I'm about to say. If Jesus is not first, it makes no difference who is in second place. Because you could say, well listen pastor, I mean, Jesus isn't first. He's second in my life, but first is my job. First is my bank account. First is my family. First is my whatever. And it really doesn't matter where Jesus falls on the top ten list of priorities in your life. If Jesus is not first... It really makes no difference what comes after that. Because what you're doing is setting up your life for a train wreck at some point. Think about it like this. How many times in your Christian life have things gone off the rail because Jesus wasn't Lord of your life? How many times have you made the wrong decision? Had the wrong attitude? dealt with something in the wrong manner, judged somebody incorrectly, thought something you shouldn't think, gone someplace you shouldn't go, do something you shouldn't do, all because in that moment of decision, 
Jesus wasn't Lord. Here is what Gideon says to the people. We are coming off a spiritual high and God has done a great thing. Don't turn your attention to me. Keep your attention on Him. There is not one person in this room today who is the Savior of this church except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's it. We have no other hope. Not only for our eternal life, but for our church, for your home, and for your individual life, there is no other hope. Dads, let me just speak to you for a moment. You may think that because your name is on all the bills and the mortgages, that you are the king of the castle. <laughs> you may think that because you make most, if not all, of the money in the house, and because God has appointed you to be the head of the household, that you can sit on your throne in your house, large and in charge, snap your fingers, and I see some ladies that are giggling at this. I'm also getting the feeling that there's some of this too, but that's neither here nor there. But you may think that, listen, this is my house. This is my stuff. This is my family. This is my responsibility. You may have a great job. Dad, you may think that this job is yours. You may think that this career is something you earned. You may think that you sit on top of the hill and that you are the big dog in charge. Let me just bring you down and say that apart from Christ, we are nothing. And you can have all of that stuff. And you can have all of the house and all of the cars and all of the things and, and all of the stuff that life has to offer but if Jesus is not first in your life, it makes no difference what's in second, third, fourth, and fifth place. Some of our employers in here enjoy telling people what to do. Some of our school teachers or some folks that work with others that, that may have to answer to you, there might be a little swell in your chest and a little pride that puffs up whenever somebody has to answer to you. May I remind you again that apart from Jesus, we are nothing. And that even Jesus says, don't use any position of leadership to lord it over others. Instead, be like Jesus and serve those who are even serving you. Some of our kids in school you go to school and you think, I'm going to be first. I'm going to get the best grades. I'm going to have the best reputation. I'm going to have the most friends. I'm going to dress the best. I'm going to walk the halls like I own this place. I'm going to be the most popular person. I'm going to win this award. I'm going to make sure everybody knows my name. I'm going to run for this and I'm going to be all of that. And yet the Bible says to you, apart from Jesus, you're nothing. And you can have all of that at school. And you can be the big dog on top in middle school, high school, college, whatever it is. But unless you have the heart to serve other people, as Jesus said, I have not come to be served, but to serve. Until we have that servant mentality in every single 
aspect of life, I'm telling you, we are struggling with the most foundational, fundamental issue of salvation, and that is lordship. And it's been said many times, if Jesus is not Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. And you may struggle, and I mean seriously struggle, with pride, your own ego, your accomplishments, who you are, what you have, what you've done, what you want to do. But friend, even Gideon, of all people, Gideon, got it right when he said, I'm not going to lead you people. I'm not going to be the one on top. God is going to do that. Don't look at me, look at him. Gideon stands before all of these people and he says, understand this. Now this is the Randy Revised Version. He says, understand this. We would be nothing without Him. You think 300 of my best men could go against 120,000 and walk out unscathed without God? Do you honestly think? Here you are in the year 2020, do you honestly think that you can get through life having accomplished what God has set before you and all that God desires for you to be without him parents do you think you can honestly raise children in the fear and the admonition of the lord without the lord do you honestly think that we can see god move in our community and in our church without him listen to me clearly we might answer those questions, oh, absolutely not. But we practice living life without God far more than we actually live life with Him. We try to prove all that we can do for God without God far more than when we just give up everything to Him and for Him and let Jesus be Lord. We've got to lead people to serve God. Here's the second step of obedience that we learn from the life of Gideon. Not only do we need to lead people to serve God, but we also need to lead people to see God. In this last section of this passage that we read, beginning in verse 24, Gideon said, let me make a request. Every one of you, he says, give me the earrings of his spoil. Now the text goes on to say that they actually gave more than just the earrings. But why is Gideon asking for this? Well, Gideon makes a couple of mistakes in this text. So if we just stopped at verse 23, we would say, hey, Gideon ended his ministry on a high note this guy said the right thing he's pointing people to God he's saying let God lead you and let him let let him be the one who leads every part of your life and then he says hey I've got an idea why don't you give me all the gold that you collected in our last battle every person that you took out every home that you went into every place of false worship and you gathered up all this gold bring it to me See, Gideon is asking for an offering. Not so that he can give it back to God. Gideon is asking for an offering for himself. 
Let's do a little leadership lesson here for just a moment. And let's just suppose that you're in some, uh, in some position of leadership. I can pick on myself and we can say, okay, well, pastor's standing up this morning, he's preaching the Word, he's pointing people to Jesus, and then he says, hey, we're going to take a special offering for me. And we're going to take this special offering and it's going to go just to me. I want you to give me all the gold. I want you to give me all the jewels. I want you to give me all the diamonds. I want you to give me all the good stuff. All of it is coming to me. Already you all are thinking, who do you think you are? But yet they did this for Gideon. They are entranced with this man who has done so many good things. They're like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll give him that. But you see, the problem is not the giving. The problem is the asking. Gideon is asking people to give an offering for him. Now we're going to find out in just a second what he does with it. But the fact that he wants to be memorialized, the fact that he wants to be remembered, the fact that he has just said, hey, don't look at me, look at God. But we're about to do something to put all the attention on me. Gideon is a little misguided. Friend, in any leadership position, any set of eyes that's looking at you, whether it is somebody that you work with, whether it is somebody that you have a responsibility over, whether it is a child, a grandchild, a niece, or a nephew, two eyeballs looking at you and following your example, don't ever make it about you. Matt's testimony just a few moments ago, he talked about prayer and he said, I'm teaching my children to pray we have a responsibility as parents grandparents aunts uncles to constantly point those sets of eyes not to our greatness but to the greatness of God and Gideon makes this great mistake and he says I want you to give me the stuff because we're about to do something for me notice what it is that he does it says in verse 27 Gideon made an ephod of it and put it in his city. Now what on earth is an ephod? It sounds weird, but it's actually pretty cool. You've probably seen this in some Sunday school books. It is a gold breastplate that is fancy. I mean, it's got diamonds and rubies and stuff in it. It's this, it's this gold breastplate that a high priest would put over their over their chest and and it was just it was shiny it was nice it was expensive but it was something a high priest should wear because they are representing the presence of God and acting on behalf of the people Gideon said give me your gold so that I can make this thing for me to wear so that everybody remembers how awesome I am wrong answer here is the down to Gideon's up here is the valley to Gideon's mountain. He was doing so well at verse 23, and then he opened his mouth again in verse 24 and blew it. See, friend, our responsibility is not only to teach people to serve God. We need to teach people to see God. We might train people to do things like trained animals to do certain functions and say you're doing this for God, but really we want them to remember who was the one doing the training. It would be like me saying this. 
it would be like your pastor saying, I want to go down in the history of Columbia Baptist Church as the best preacher to ever stand on this platform. Now what's wrong with that? Some of you want to be the best teacher that's ever taught school. The best administrator. The, the best, uh, the, 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 the best uh, pharmacist. The best uh, school administrator. The, the, the best business owner. You want to go down as the best in your chosen profession. You say, well, Pastor, what's wrong with you wanting to be the best? That's not what God's called me to do. God has not called me to convince you to remember me. God has called me to point you to remember Jesus. And if all you remember from the ministry, however long God uses me in this role and function, if all you remember is how many times your eyes were focused to Jesus, how many times your heart was beating out of your chest to serve the Lord Jesus and to give Him everything, and you can't even remember who it was that preached the message, then to God be the glory. But this is where Gideon messed up. Because he said, look, we're doing great things. God has done some great stuff. Just don't forget me. And the Bible says, in verse 27, all Israel whored after it there. Where? Gideon put it in his city, in Ophrah. And it says, and it became a snare to Gideon and to his family. The plaque on the wall didn't work out well for him. The, hey, don't forget me and, and make sure people know who I am and, and let's make sure people remember my name. I think God did a great job of helping us to remember who Gideon is. For the good and the bad and the ugly. Friend, if your number one priority is to point every set of eyes that's looking at you to the person of Jesus Christ, then you're doing exactly what God wants you to do. It doesn't matter what level of leadership you're in, how many people are looking at you, how much you get paid for it, and how influential you think you are. If every person sees you and they see Jesus, then you've, you've done exactly what God wants you to do. But if people look at you and they don't see Jesus, then we have some dying to do. Steve Jobs, in fact, passed away several years ago. And many of you enjoy Apple products. You may have a Mac. You may have an iPhone. You may have an iPad. You may have an i-whatever uh, has come out in the years. But Steve Jobs was an innovator and was a great mind when it comes to software and technology. And he really shaped the whole smartphone and computer and, and personal computer devices and, and shaped the industry in a way that's almost unable to be defined. Steve Jobs passed away several years ago of cancer. And right after he was diagnosed with cancer in 2005, he spoke at a college. And at that commencement, he ended his speech by saying this, he said, remembering that I'll be dead soon, 
is the most important tool that I've encountered to help me make the big choices in life. He said, because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is important. What is important? To Steve Jobs, is it an iPhone? Is it the legacy of MacBook computers? Is it the legacy of the the technology of the software and iPad? Is that really what he wanted to be remembered for? I'm going to ask you the same thing. What kind of legacy of faith are you leaving behind? Is it one that at your funeral... Or even at some family reunion of your grandchildren and great-grandchildren, they sit and talk about how wonderful you were, how many things you accomplished, how much, and, and just how wise and how rich and how accomplished you were. Or do they sit around and talk about your testimony and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're not there yet, You're in great company. Because all of us fall short of the glory of God daily. But you can decide today to make sure that whoever looks at your life sees someone who is serving Jesus. And you can make sure that every person that looks at your life is motivated to follow that example and also serve Jesus. And you can decide today That the legacy of faith that you leave behind, that every person looking at you in whatever situation you're in in life, that they see Jesus, and that that same person then is motivated to show Jesus to other people because of you. Friend, if you've never come to the moment in your life where you've given everything over to the Lord Jesus and confessed Him, as the Savior and Lord of your life, where you make Him number one in all things. Today is the day to turn your back on sin. Turn your back on selfishness. Turn your back on all of those lists of priorities that you have that mean nothing. And put your face to the Lord Jesus and look at Him face to face and say, without you, I'm nothing. If you've never made that decision, today is the day to make it. To put everything else behind you and let Jesus right the ship. If you have made that decision, and if you have come to that moment in the past where you've given Jesus lordship of your life, but sometimes you're up and sometimes you're down. Sometimes you get it right and sometimes you blow it. You are in excellent company this morning because we all do. But you can get a fresh start today and say, God, would you put in my mind some of these people, some of these positions of leadership, some of these things that are in my life where people are looking at me and God, would you help me to show them a servant, to encourage them to serve But God, would you lead me to show them who Jesus is? That they might put Him first the same way that I have. 
Let's ask the Lord together this morning to help us as we respond. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for this time to not only hear from Your Word, but Father, also to respond to the Lord Jesus in faith and in a way, God, that we know will bring glory and honor to Christ. Father, we regularly fall short of the glory of Jesus and we don't always make the decisions that we should. But God, You have brought us today to a place of decision either for eternal life or God, in those steps of our journey and our walk with Jesus that other people are watching that we're taking. God, whatever decision You've called us to make today, in whatever way that we can be an influence for Christ, God, help us to do that today. And respond in a way that brings glory to Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN, right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walkthisway on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and all sorts of uh, places you can find this broadcast, you can find messages that I've preached, and I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.